Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and with me are my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How you doing today, Cecil? Doing pretty good, Richie. How about you? Doing well, doing well. How's your week been, man? What's been going on? Uh, it's been a pretty mellow week, but to be honest with you, I'm really excited about the start of the NBA season. You know, we went on and they got Cameron a little custom jersey, has his name on the back of it, and you know, we're just ready to go, man. So, it's the Bulls jersey, right? You got him a good No, team. sir, man. A Miami Heat jersey. Like, Oh, boy. Miami Heat. Listen, I like the Heat, right? But they're just not my team. Right, you know, I mean, if I see them and I'll, I'll, I'll root for them and all this stuff, but they're just not my team. The Bulls, they're my team. Well, you know, just like the Cubs are your team, but they don't seem to be doing too well right now. So yeah, yeah, no, no. And it uh, as we're recording this right now, it's the uh, bottom of the ninth. Cubs are losing uh, eight to three in the NLCS in Game Four, and it doesn't look like the Cubs are going to be doing anything, uh, even sniffing a World Series this year. And uh, it's kind of depressing for me, right? So that's uh, 107 years of uh, without a championship. That's uh, that's got to sting a little bit, don't you think? Well, I, you know, you'd, I believe after 107 years, you'd probably be used to it by now. <laughs> well, we're not used to being in the NLCS. Let's just put it that way. It's only our third time in NLCS ever. So that should put some perspective on all this. Hey, it's still a hundred and odd years of losing, man. You lose in one conference, you lose in another conference. Losing is losing anyway. You look at it, man. My my dad has never seen the Cubs win. Uh, his dad has never seen the Cubs win. So it's been a long time in, in my family that we've been Cubs fans for, for a very long time. And in fact, my dad was drafted by Chicago White Sox really? as a catcher. And his granddad told him, it's like, if he ever plays at the White Sox, he'd never go see him play. Yeah. I I really just hope your girls don't have to go through the same depression <laughs> that obviously you and, you know, your your dad and his father has gone through. Oh, no, 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 no. It, 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 it's, it's there. And so my, my little one woke up this morning really early. It was like 6.30. And the first words out of her mouth was, did the Cubs win? Oh, my God. What are you doing to that poor child? No, honey. The Cubs didn't win. You'll learn the ways of the heartache and wait till next year. <laughs> oh, my God. But enough of misery and the Cubs. Who we talk to today, Cecil? So today we're talking to a Mr. Devin Knight. Devin Knight is a Microsoft MVP and a, the training director at Pragmatic Works Consulting. He is an author of six SQL Server books and speaks at conferences like Pass Summit, Pass Business Analytics Conference, SQL Saturdays, and CodeCamps. He's also a contributing member to the past business intelligence virtual chapter. Making his home in Jacksonville, Florida, Devin is the vice president of the local users group, JSSUG. You can find Devin on Twitter at Knight underscore Devin. So let's get this started. This episode was recorded on August 24th, 2015. And now our conversation with Devin Knight. And now, away from the keyboard's feature conversation. What did you guys do this weekend? Anything exciting? I was uh, dealing with car trouble most of the weekend. Um, we had a, a overheating SUV, which we thought 
Oh, okay, well, maybe this is the thermostat. Oh, okay, no, maybe this is something else. Oh, okay, well, all the floors are good and the thermostat's fine. Oh, okay, it's the fans. And so that was an afternoon and a half of, you know, so that was Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon. So I got absolutely nothing that I wanted to get done over the weekend, you know, and so, yeah. And I'm definitely no mechanic by any way, shape, or form. You know what? I'm, I'm the guy that will go in and say, fix it and tell me how much it costs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Even if they add twelve well, things on to what's wrong with it, it's it's all well, good. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, so so if, if they tell me that you need to fix twelve things, then I'm going to tell you, well, how much can I sell it for? Because no, I'm not going to spend yeah. that much money. That's true. That's true. Because you know, obviously, yeah. if you need to fix all that stuff, then this is not working, right? So I need to do something else. You know, I'm the complete opposite, says because I'm the, I'm the guy that will go and say, um, no, I'm going to run this until the wheels fall off, and then I'm going to go get the wheels, put them back on, and I'm going to keep wheeling around some more. Yeah, that's me. So you know, so, I would do that with computers. Yeah, oh, I would. No. I would pull apart no. the board. I would. I would squeeze no. the last bit of juice out of that power supply. No. But you ask me about anything that's going inside of a car, I'm like, listen, let somebody else deal with it. I, <laughs> I, I, I know a little bit, and I know enough to get me to where I can tell where where sense and nonsense kind of cross that line. But if you if you're starting to pile stuff on the on the check, I'm like, okay, well, let's 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 do something else. So, so Devin, how many people do you see do the same thing with their database systems? With you know, they just kind of run them into the ground until they actually they say, "Oh, well, maybe we need a new server, or maybe we should upgrade this thing." It's SQL 2000. Oh gosh, we see that a lot. Yeah, so we, yeah, we have a lot of customers uh, that just try and get every last bit of what they have out, out of what they have, and they're just not willing to spend money when, you know, at some point, it, it is like a hardware issue, or it is something that's like very clearly um, something wrong with the machine, and they'll try and take every little bit of it. We're actually, um, we're doing a lot more Azure that way now, a lot more cloud, AWS also, based on the fact that people just don't want to buy hardware anymore. They don't want to buy infrastructure, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's made a lot easier to go, go cloud on a lot of this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing more and more people go to the cloud, and it's just becoming more accepted. All the all the excuses that they once had, oh, it's not secure, or this and that, they're kind of realizing that all their data is up there anyway. Yeah, so might as well go there. Yeah, and even then, if it's you know, for some people, it's if if there still is a concern, like there's HIPAA concerns or something like that, that you know, you still can put finance data there or something, some something that's rolled up, or you know, you don't have to have uh, every every bit of your data there. I don't think anyone's still gone except for maybe some small startups have gone full everything in the cloud kind of stuff but uh definitely a hybrid approach for a lot of people so Devin, just for our listeners do you actually do a lot of work inside of the cloud is do you have a lot of clients that are asking for that type of stuff or where's your your main focus these days yeah so i do just training really i do uh you know i, I keep a lot uh, my skills up to date with a lot of the things that we're doing internally at, at pragmatic works but um i do a lot internally and how i'm using the cloud right now is more from an infrastructure uh, perspective so more more of an IaaS approach and uh so from from training what we're doing is when we do training whether it's on-site with a customer or we'll do like a public training at a microsoft office uh, we'll actually boot up a bunch of uh, images, cloud images or VMs up in Azure, and then have each student kind of boot up to an image that we've created that are all based off the same same basic structure. And that works well. We actually did it uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We've done it a couple of times now, uh, and it works pretty well. The funny thing is when we do it at like Microsoft offices, there's actually some Microsoft offices that block Azure, 
which is ridiculous. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> We've had it happen more okay. than once now. Uh, I, I guess they just expect salespeople to be there and don't allow whatever Azure ports to go through. So, wow. you know, we've had to kind of deal with that. But uh, it's worked great on site with some customers. But it was funny. We had two different offices we went to where we were trying to boot up Azure VMs and the Microsoft network blocked them. So that was that was fun. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Now, could you have gone to uh, through to AWS? Because that would have been even more interesting. Uh, we didn't try that because we were in a Microsoft office. <laughs> 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 but that would have been interesting. I, I I probably would not have been shocked if it would have worked. But um, yeah, it was not. It was kind of embarrassing. Well, not really, no, so much for us, but for uh, the, the platform as a whole. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we definitely are seeing a lot more use cases for it, and I I love it from like I said from a training perspective. If I want to have, if I know that I have twelve people in a classroom, they all need the exact same machine. They all bring these random laptops with all kinds of different things on on them, but they can remote desktop into an Azure VM. It works great for for uh, teaching a class. I know a lot of people are really scared when you say the word cloud. A couple of years ago, actually, when oh, a couple of jobs ago. Management was talking about we're going to move email to the cloud and infrastructure to the cloud. The network guys got really scared really quickly. You know, a lot of them started looking for, you know, alternative employment and that type of stuff. But the way I look at it, you know, there's really not a need to get scared because to me now, if, if stuff is going out to some other infrastructure, I mean, to me, that's just a prime opportunity for you to pick up some new skills and, and jump on that bandwagon, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, even even myself, uh, how about you guys? Do you guys do a lot of PowerShell? A little, very little bit. Very little. Very little. Yeah. Uh, more than Cecil, though. <laughs> he probably does more than I do. He's true. So it, it forced me to learn that. So I, I, I would have never had any real reason other than, you know, it does integrate with BI here and there. But uh, I'm a mainly a BI guy. More power to BI. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, it forced me to learn PowerShell because there's a lot of things that you really can't do through the Azure portal uh, without you know having have, knowing a little bit of PowerShell. So uh, I boned up on a little bit of PowerShell. I have a lot more to learn there. But uh, yeah, I think those kind of guys that maybe are, are sysadmins right now that um, are, are, are have kind of been stuck in, in the world that they're in now and, and are a little bit fearful of the cloud. There's there's definitely a lot of opportunities to learn a lot of new stuff and a lot of new stuff that other people don't know. So it makes them even more of a commodity, uh, not just where they're at now, but you know, to, for the whole future. You know, one of the things that I never kind of understood, you know, I've been in, in the industry for almost <laughs> years now, and um, I'm constantly learning, right? The stuff that I was doing four years ago I'm not doing now. It, it's obsolete. And I, I, I find it hard to, to, that I still run into folks and I find it hard to understand why they're so against learning and you know why they keep holding so tightly to this stuff and the old technology when you know we're turning over you know every two, three, four years, our technology stack is completely changing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have uh, the last couple consulting engagements I did before I went primarily on training. Uh, I, I worked with a team that was having to migrate over a bunch of mainframe stuff. And they were they were all COBOL programmers uh, trying trying to learn SSIS or, you know, it could have been Informatica, but they were learning SSIS where they were at. It was a real struggle for them. And, and frankly, they didn't want to learn it. They, they were happy with, with what they were learning and or what they did know. They, they weren't learning anything new. They've been there for years and they were fine with it. They didn't have any interest in learning anything new. But the, the, you know, the skills not only would keep them you know, employed longer where they're at, but make them more of a commodity somewhere else as well if they ever had to leave for, for whatever reason. So, yeah, I, I agree. There's, it seems like 
people that get stuck in a certain t- mindset where, you know, this is what I know and this is what I'm going to stick to, don't tend to, to leave that for some reason. And I, I don't know. I think, you know, educating yourself on whatever's newest coming out, you know, you can't obviously learn everything at once, but see how it integrates with stuff you're already doing. If you're already doing things like data movement, what are other tools that are doing data movement? Or if you're already doing things like um, infrastructure, what are the you know, other infrastructure things you can do, like we mentioned cloud? So one of the things I always like to ask people is, how do you decide what you want to learn next? Right. And for you, like, how do you decide, okay, well, here's some interesting topics in technology that maybe in the next three to five years or so I might want, I want to be involved in that. Like, how do you, how do you choose which one to spend your time learning? Yeah, that's good. So I, I usually look at uh, what's going to solve my next problem. There's a lot of things that that I can, can solve problems that I'm working with, whether it's, we talked about data integration or moving data around from place to place or pulling, pulling data together. And I look at what's, what's going to solve my next problem, whether it's uh, from a reporting perspective and things like Power BI, or if it's uh, moving data, but doing it more in a cloud mindset, which is you know, something like Data Factory inside of, inside of uh, Azure. Yeah, there's, right. a, there's a lot of different ways that you can you look and, and try and figure out what's the next step. And I usually think about from a perspective of, what are the problems I have now and how am I going to be solving these problems five years from now rather than how I did it two years ago kind of thing. And a lot of people, yeah, like I said, even I have done this in the past where I, I stick with what I learned two years ago because I know I can do it and rather than trying to force myself to uh, look what's coming out in the future. So I've, I've been trying to do more of that a lot lately and, and you know, Power BI has been something I've been really focused in on uh, and uh, trying trying to get more into Azure S- slowly but surely. There's a, there's so much uh, that goes into Azure that uh, it's it's a big uh, thing to take on. Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great approach. So that's one of the things that I know I took a look at when we had a problem with the podcast. So we didn't have a really good way of uh, counting our download statistics. I decided to take all the the logs, the Apache logs, and import those uh, just straight using C sharp and parse them all and threw them into a SQL Server database. And then I said, hey, we've got this new Power BI thing You know, that's that just got you know put in beta. Why don't we take a look at that? And we've been doing all our statistics, our download statistics via that tool. And it's been really cool to pop it open and see it grow and then see all the new things that you could add to it. When we initially did it, we just did, had stats and bar charts and that was it. And then we were able to get the IP addresses and kind of locations where everyone's at. And then we threw a, a, a chart on top of it. Oh, and nice. so we were able to see all our downloads and where they're from. And the big shock to us was is that we're getting a quarter of our traffic outside of the U.S. where we really thought this was just going to be kind of like a South Florida, maybe Florida thing. We were seeing we're being downloaded all over the place. And that really kind of changed, I think, the way Cecil and I really approached uh, the podcast, how it's not just, oh, it's just us, you know, kind of Miami, South Florida folks. This is a global thing, and we need to ad- address our our audience in, in that way, that it's a global audience. And we did all that just by trying out new technologies like Power BI. So yeah, how about been, for our, our guys that are listening right now, our, our folks that are listening right now, how would you tell them what exactly is Power BI and like what, what, what types of work are you doing with, with data with it? Cecil, good question. So uh, Power BI is really, it's a, it's a tool that encompasses a, a bunch of stuff. And, and it was formerly really a big piece of Excel, but they've kind of, as far as marketing goes, Microsoft has 
for, from a marketing perspective, they've disowned the the Excel portions. They don't call it Power BI whenever the Excel pieces are there, but they have a, a separate application, a Power BI desktop. And basically the idea is you're building out a solution that uh, doesn't require IT. So it's like a, a self-service solution. And I think it really does genuinely fulfill that self-service kind of, kind of goal there, where someone that maybe is an Excel guru, they're really good at doing things like Excel pivot tables and know how to do Excel formulas, can take this tool and take the skills that they already have and you know maybe with a little education, be able to build out solutions on their own that would normally take an IT staff and several weeks, if not months, if not maybe a full year, to create a BI solution. So it allows them to kind of create a BI solution on their own, all the way from pulling data in, which, you know, from an IT perspective, we would do, if you're, if you're a Microsoft guy, you do with SSIS. Uh, they have a tool called Power Query that does that. You, if you want to take that data that you just pulled in and then actually model it so that you can make sense of it and build things like KPIs and hierarchies, they have a tool called Power Pivot. It's actually been on for quite a while now since, uh, I guess, shortly after 2010, about 2011. Mm-hmm. That would be basically like your self-service version of analysis services if you're if you're more on the IT side. And then they have Power View, which Richie and I were talking about, is more of the visualization tool. So take the data that you just modeled and organized and start to actually present it to the users or seeing that it's self-service, they may just be visualizing it to yourself. And then the latest iteration of Power BI, this Power BI desktop, it has a lot more visualizations on the Power View side. And it actually, the end goal is you're building a dashboard out of it. So you can take these little visualizations that you've designed, pin them to a dashboard on on the Power BI service. It's at at powerbi.com. And then it allows you to take those uh, dashboards you've created, share them with others. You can actually Actually, ha- actually have some collaboration, which was just released on the end of July, where you can have multiple people work on a dashboard. That was a big piece that was missing before then. And um, you could even take and create what they call content packs out of parts of your data. So if you have like a data set that's really cool and you want to share it with others, you can make a content pack out of it. And then they can actually pick up a data set you worked on and build their own dashboard out of it as well. So they can oh, kind of nice. integrate solution yeah so there's some there's some cool things that have come out even just like we said within the last month uh that have really really taken it to the next level and it, i i i love it i think there's all kinds of cool things i i don't think anyone from it should be threatened by it i don't think i don't know if people really are or not i've heard a few people tell me that kind of in not so many words that it's taking my job away that kind of thing i don't think that's really something they have to worry about because the whole idea with these uh self-service bi or power bi projects is that they're solving problems that really maybe aren't that complex. I mean, they has the ability to solve complex problems, but generally speaking, you're still going to go to IT for that data warehouse. This isn't a reason not to do a data warehouse for, for business intelligence. This is that quick, I need a quick and dirty, but maybe I want to take this and build it into a dashboard kind of thing. So definitely, you're still going to see folks building out more traditional BI projects. I don't think that'll ever go away. There might be different technologies that they eventually use to do it. We mentioned some Azure stuff that might be the, you know, the way of the future for some of those things. But um, this, it's, it's just another way, another, another way of doing things. And it's, it's quick. It's great. I, I want to go back a little bit and talk about your, your work history and you know, how, how, how some of that started. And you know, what was your journey to becoming the, the technologist that you are today? Yeah, so I've been in IT not not nearly as long as uh, Richie has, but um, sorry. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. I don't think anybody has been in technology as long as Richie has. <laughs> oh, I can name names, but I won't because I wanted them to come on the show. Okay. Uh, I'm not so, saying anything, Buck. <laughs> 
So I've, I've been uh, in, in, in technology for about eight years, and um, I actually start, started off in college with a civil engineering track. So I was going to University of North Florida, it's in Jacksonville, and, and uh, I'd always wanted to go into engineering. And, and so I started going down that track, and I got to my first programming class, uh, which, which was, uh, I believe it was just, it was just C. It was, and uh, in, the, in that class... It was incredibly difficult to me. I don't know if it was just because it was at the time or maybe it was more because of this. There were no computers. And I'm not talking like 30 or 20 years ago. I mean, this was this was like uh, 2002. They, there were no computers in the class. He would put one of those old school flimsy projector slides up on the screen uh, and we would have to write down the code and we'd be tested on that. And that kind of ruined it for me for then on out. I, I was not going to memorize code that somebody wrote on the screen like that. So I, yeah, so I ended up actually changing majors and I have an advertising degree. That's that's what I finished school with is, an, is a communications degree with a advertising focus. And um, go figure, there's there's not a whole lot of advertising jobs in Jacksonville. And I wasn't really interested in moving to a place like New York or Chicago, big city that does that ha- actually has a lot of advertising jobs. And um, at the time, I was working at this uh, place. It's, you know, this might not that it just dates people in general here. I worked at this crazy little store where they had movies on the wall. And you would go look at the wall for the movie you wanted to take home for a night. I'm not sure if you, ever, you remember a place like this. It was called Blockbuster Video. And no, never <laughs> heard of it. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> so I was working there. I, I worked my way through college. I actually paid, you know, paid through paid college that way, and, and I worked full time as a store manager at Blockbuster Video while uh, while going to school. And uh, interesting concept. You would actually hold a physical movie in your hands and decide whether or not you wanted it. But uh, <laughs> as as soon as I graduated, I was of course looking for for another job, and and so my brother uh, Brian Knight. Uh, showed showed me all about the the sequel stuff, and I thought, wow, that's that's pretty interesting. I really like that, and uh, so I, I took it on, and and uh, he he just taught me on the side. I didn't really have any formal training, and he he kind of took me on the side and spent spent weekends with me and, and taught it to me. I uh, ended up actually getting my my first job was uh, contracting at a company in town in Jacksonville, and uh, what's what's funny about it is my brother owned a company, but he did not hire me. <laughs> Oh. So he he made me go work somewhere else first, which I think was actually a smart move uh, for a couple of reasons. First, it was a very small company at the time. It was basically him and one other guy. And uh, but uh, so I worked three months in another company just as a contractor. And then I ended up actually going into consulting for another company in town as well. And then uh, I took uh, two two years of me kind of learning how to be a really be work in IT and how to be a consultant before uh, my brother would bring me on at Pragmatic Works, and at that point, it was starting to grow as a company, and he could he could handle bringing on uh, kind of a mid person at that point. So he he did not hire me right away. You know, no, you know that's okay, I guess. But uh, you know, I'm I'm there now. I, li- I like I like what I'm doing, and and uh, you know, nepotism lives on. So. <laughs> <laughs> so so was it was it like really odd at Thanksgiving? Where there's a lot of cold stares, <laughs> a lot of sly comments. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not honestly. It was. Um, I, I think I never really had any expectation that he would hire me because I, I just knew that I was so green at it. It was. It was so brand new to me at the time that um, I, I knew I had to kind of get my foot in the door somewhere. And I actually, I, I do this a bit now with 
uh, it's funny. I'm actually following uh, following the same path that he did with me. So I'm I'm kind of mentoring a few guys on the side that uh, actually some guys I go to church with that are just graduating from from college and and they're really interested in kind of getting into the field. And, and so I, I've been mentoring them on the side and trying to trying to help them get their foot in the door somewhere. And you know, obviously they they've asked me about working in pragmatic works. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I just don't have we don't have any jobs right now that are that are at an entry level or even a mid level. But um, let's see if we can get you somewhere in town. So to get you. To your foot in the door somewhere in town and 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 get you started so that way you can kind of get your get your feet wet because it's hard now to, to kind of get that you know at a college job you almost have to be an intern making very little if not nothing just to get on somewhere so that you can eventually make money and make some decent money but there's you know there's a bright future in the in the kind of careers that are there it's just hard to get started yeah I, that's what i did I, I worked in i got two three internships when i was in college and that's kind of how I got my feet wet into the whole industry, and then um, and kind of went on from there. Yeah, yeah. So it's tough. I mean, it, it, we we do. I'm not sure if, if I've talked to you guys about this before or not. I don't think I have, but uh, we have part of our company that is a free training that we do. We actually have a nonprofit part of our company. Uh, we call it we call it the Pragmatic Works Foundation, and basically the idea behind it is the main goal is that we target either returning military vets, so military vets that have kind of returned from overseas, and uh, maybe they've kind of been, uh, they're, they're deactivated now, and they're trying to find a new career, right? They've been in the military for however long, and they have they have a set of skills. They have a special set of skills. That, no, I'm just kidding. No, but they, they have a set of skills, and you know they have a military background where they have the work ethic is amazing. It's just hard for them to transition, and they have things like uh, you know the government provides education and things like that. But even even then, it's it's hard for them to be able to really find that that career. And so we have uh, we usually do it about once a quarter, a free class. It's a week long class, and it's basically. Here's the skills you need to get your foot in the door somewhere. And it's, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're a database company. We're all about data. So we, we focus in on, you know, honestly, what you can learn in a week. So we focus in on T-SQL and uh, a little bit of reporting uh, through, usually through reporting services, because we know a, a, f- a few companies in town that uh, will take on some people that have those basic skills. So, and we spend that week really devoted. We make them small classes, about five or six people, uh, intentionally small. You know, we spend that week basically cramming their brains full of stuff that they've never even seen before. A lot of these people have never touched a database before and, and, and they're, you know, well beyond college years. Some of them are, are 40s and their 50s, that sort of thing. So we're trying to give them these new skills and it's, you know, it's tough, but um, it, it paid off. We, we have a lot of people that have, have gotten jobs from it that, you know, are, are, are going on to a new career now and they're really happy with it. And it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's fun to do because it's, it's a different it's a little bit more rewarding, I guess, whenever you see someone that came in that week, they knew absolutely nothing, and now they they picked up this completely new technology, and they're like thrilled because they can they can see it in their eyes that this is really what they want to do, and that they can see this as a future career for them. And, and we even do on the final day, we have some companies from in town that you know they, they might not necessarily have jobs where they can hire them immediately, but they'll do tech interviews with them to try and prepare them for what a tech interview is going to be like. Because those, yeah, you guys know, tech interviews are a lot different than yeah, yep. interviewing a blockbuster video, right? They're, they're tr- yeah. <laughs> blockbuster video, they're trying to see if you're a psycho. Uh, I guess you're trying to do that at tech tech interviews too. But they're also testing you a bit on what you know and, and, and you know, depending on where you go, they might make you whiteboard something. They might really try and, you know, fumble you around a little bit. So uh, we try and prep them a little bit on what those those interviews are like. Give them a good understanding of what to expect. 
You know, what's funny is that a lot of times I've interviewed with companies, the psychos have been the ones giving the interviews, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, I, I've, I've had some interesting ones, too. I've had uh, a couple where uh, basically it was a phone interview. We liked them. They weren't they weren't anywhere in town, but we liked them. We actually extended an offer to them. This was actually a, a, a consulting company, not a consulting company. It was a, a place I was doing a gig for, and uh, they had me doing some interviews for them. And I kept saying, hey, you should really have these people come in before you hire them or before you sign them on. And so they actually hired some people, had them come show up for the first day, and someone else showed up. Then I actually interviewed on the phone for them. So they, oh. they had a little thing where like they lived, they all lived in this apartment and they had the really smart guy take all the interviews and then someone else would show up for the first day of job, the job and hope that somehow within the first couple of weeks they would learn enough to make up for not me? having a set of skills. No, no, not at all. Oh. Uh, and um, it happened twice at one company I was at and uh, it was through a recruiting company. I won't mention their name, but it was funny that uh, I could figure it out pretty early on that they just had, no, they were literally had no idea what I was talking about. And then I would, when I when I felt like something wasn't right, I would ask them the interview questions again, and they had no clue. They had no idea what I was asking them about. You know, you know what's funny is that I've had the complete opposite happen. Really? Where yes, yeah, so I had I was interviewing a candidate for a .NET position, and uh, it was over it was over the phone, like uh, it was a contract. So our, we typically just. And did phone interviews for them. Uh, if they were in town, we would we would call them in. But this particular guy wasn't in town, and we had a video conference, and he was really personable and uh, kind of knew his stuff. And so we brought him in, and for two weeks he floundered on the easiest things. Like I had to explain what an interface was, and and just it just went over and over and over. And essentially, I was sitting next to him writing his code oh, and and how all this stuff is and. Then he just didn't show back up. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, then all of a sudden he he left. It just so happens uh, by coincidence, this uh, he had an accent the whole time he was for the two weeks he was there. He had an accent, so we tried to go find this guy because obviously he didn't show up for work. We didn't know what was going on, so we gave him a call, and he didn't have an accent on his on his voicemail. <laughs> so we finally get a hold of him, and he's we like, well, are you coming back? And he goes, well, I'm kind of in New Jersey. I don't think I'm coming back. And I'm like, what? And we finally got the scoop uh, a little bit later down the line. And his his consulting company forced him to come down here. And he was he was on a visa. And he didn't want to go. So he came down here, did, did the two weeks, because I think it's in the contract or whatever. He needed to be two weeks there. And, if, and he just kind of bailed after that. Oh, jeez. I'm like, are you kidding me? You you wasted my time, all that time doing that. Cecil, didn't we interview um Elijah Manor who works for Dave Ramsey and their company does the complete opposite where they have this long multi-step process of getting hired and like the last step is where they have dinner with you and your spouse. Really? Yep. Yes. Hmm, that's interesting. Because the the philosophy is that if you have problems at home, you're going to have problems at work. Oh, so you said you said Dave Ramsey, like the financial expert, expert that guy. Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. You know, one of the well, guests we had on, he he works with him, and we kind of had a little conversation about kind of how their organization works and all that, and it's really really interesting and in how how deep they go with their interview process, but they have surprisingly little uh, attrition. Hmm. And 
you know, because the people that they they make sure that they want to be there, that they can do their job, that they work well with the team, and they are not going to have problems at home. That's interesting. That's yeah, yeah. That's a different way of doing it. I guess you probably get a little bit of your your spouse's buy-in too when when they've yeah. they've met your boss before you got hired. And I, it took me a while to fathom that. Um, actually, I picked up. Uh, Dave Ramsey's book called Entree Leadership, and they kind of go through all of that and their philosophy and their of how to do business and all that. It's really interesting. I, I disagree with some of it, but it, it's really interesting to see you know how other companies kind of work. And mm-hmm. you know, obviously, there's a lot of Silicon Valley's and startups that I disagree with how they do things, but they work just fine. So to each its own. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, it'd be a different way of different way of interviewing. That's you know what that kind of reminds me of in a in a less weird way. I think that's actually more normal what you just said. But uh, someone I, I mentioned kind of mentoring this college kid, uh, he brought up with me over the weekend that he's read and actually heard of, I, I didn't think this was a real thing. I, I had heard of it before, but I thought it was kind of a joke, where more and more kids that are just out of college bring a parent or parent, more, more than one parent, oh. to interviews for them, with them. And I guess it's a real thing in that... Um, uh, he was telling me that what he read was that some employers actually liked it, which I thought it was strange, but liked it because they could get a feel about the person they're about to hire from the person that's known them longest uh, in their life and could get a good feel of for them. But I get, I would assume that your your mom's probably going to talk you up pretty well. Oh my goodness, yeah, it's too funny. So, what are some of the things that you do when you're away from the keyboard? I, you know, I'm actually pretty big in my church, so I, uh, I go. And I don't really care about what the uh, denomination is per se, but I, I go to a, a Baptist church uh, out in Orange Park, which is pretty close to Jacksonville, and and uh, I'm, 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 I'd say I'm very passionate about it. I do a kind of lead a lead a small group of college kids here, and like I said, I'm kind of mentoring a few here and there, and and um, yes, yeah, so that's one of the things I'm really passionate about is. Uh, you know, talking to people about about my faith and and uh, what I believe, and and that's uh, uh, that's probably one of the bigger things. I've kept my family, of course. So I have I have three small kids. That's that's really important to me. So those those are kind of the big big things in my life. And so, what are some of the things you would go out and do with your family, for instance? I deck. Are you guys big into sports, or you guys play like a lot of games and stuff like that? Yes, like Jaguars. Oh gosh, I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we no, I don't take them to Jags games. They're a little bit too small for that. But uh, so I have a five-year-old who's going to be six in October, named Colin. We have we have actually we have twins, twin four-year-olds that just just started pre-K. Yeah, so uh, boy, boy and girl, Justin and Lana, and um, so we we do we do a lot actually. We um, we spent spent a lot of the summer doing bowling. They they actually have bowling free right now, at least at a lot of Bowl America. So we we did that uh, a lot, and they're obsessed with bowling now. Uh, so we do that. And my my oldest son, he he plays a lot of uh, t ball. He started coach pitch pitch baseball uh, last season. He's taken a little bit of a break from that as we go back to school here or start school for him he's starting kindergarten so uh yeah they're 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 they love being outside and going uh, colin even tries to go for some runs with me where we do little like 30 second runs and walk and that kind of thing so he we, we like doing stuff outside and have take take him a fishing occasionally my, my oldest son really likes fishing and so yeah we do like to do as much as we can we try and go outside we try to not spend too much time indoors and and, and on t- watching tv but you know that happens too but yeah we, we, we like doing a lot of that stuff you just like describe my childhood, by the way. Really? So, <laughs> yeah. So I remember as a kid going from uh, Saturday morning bowling to a baseball game. Oh, are you serious? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, and playing the baseball game. I, I bowled to, I guess, I was about um, 
I guess since I got until I got married, and and then I, you know, actually until I got the first kid. So that was till about ten years ago, and uh, it got pretty frustrating there for for a little bit because that's what bowling is. It's just frustration. Yes, it is, and especially with the little ones. But they, you know, they get a ramp, so they kind of shove it down the ramp, and yeah. and and they got bumper guards now. Right, right. <laughs> but it's good times, especially when it's free. You can't beat that. Everything free is yeah. good. We'd like to thank Devin for being a guest on the show. It was definitely a pleasure speaking with him. Remember to tell your friends about the show and to leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com or on Twitter at AFTK Podcast. You can also follow me at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website or on iTunes. If you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletter where you get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have Stack Overflow Engineering Manager, David Haney. Last I checked, we only hire 0.4% of the people that send us a resume. So your odds are about 1 in 250 if you shoot one in, which is pretty mind-blowing to me. That sounds like fun. It was tons of fun. See you next week. to thank you for listening to away from the keyboard as a reminder we will have new episodes each and every week you can interact with us on twitter at aftk podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com hasta luego Do you have any like special music that you listen to when you when you write code? So, do I have any special music that I listen to? So sometimes if I'm if I'm fully automatic, you know, typically I'd listen to angry music. I'd listen to like some Linkin Park or some DMX or something like that. Oh, okay. If I need to really sit down and think about stuff and I'm really experimenting, I actually kind of switch and I, I listen to like Dave Matthews, for instance. Like, oh, that's I'm good big, stuff. Yeah, I'm a big Dave Matthews fan, so I'd listen to Dave Matthews. Then I'm just probably listening to like some Caribbean music. I'm listening to some soca or some reggae music or something what about you richie y'all gonna make me lose my mind <laughs> up in here up in here um if i really want to get down in it right if i really need to sit there and i need to focus and i need to bang some code out or i've got a problem i go to the tron soundtrack the tron legacy oh, soundtrack like that that is it right i mean that's the that's the one where you know not the um the the was that the re-energized or uh, something okay. like that or the reconfigured where they they really uh 
uh, you know, kind of kick it up a notch. But no, the, the actual motion picture soundtrack, the Daft Punk one, amazing, amazing. You know, and, and I never... Yeah. Can, hey, so let me... Can I share something embarrassing with you? Go for, for this? Sure. All right. So my first CD was Ace of Bass. Remember Ooh. that? Yeah. I do remember Ace of Bass. <laughs> you know what? You know, you know what? As you were saying that, I saw the sign. Did you? You saw it coming. You knew it. You knew it was going to happen. I did. I did. Ace of Bass. I remember leaving you know, but, that thing. But you got to watch out because, you know, all she ever wants is <laughs> just another baby. <laughs> Went to school with the idea I was going to actually be a civil engineer. That was mm, my nice. That was my original goal, and uh, uh, went down that track. And actually, the reason I got out of that was the first programming class that I had. So there was actually a programming class, and I think it was like a, a C class, but there were no computers in the class. It, okay. Yeah, it That's was an interesting computer class. Yeah, yeah. It was the guy would actually put slides on the screen, like the old school punch cards. Yeah. Well, not even. I'm not that old. So. <laughs> Well, I know Richie is, but I'm not yeah. quite sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it was like the old clear slides, and he would write something on them and put them on an old projector to go up on the screen. And uh, and we were supposed to basically memorize those or write it all down, and there's no way I could do it. So I uh, I think I got a D in that class, ended up dropping it, changed my major to advertising. I thought, let me just get a degree, and then I'll figure out what I want to do. Sure. And uh, so that's what I did. And my brother was already already big into BI, and, and uh, so he, he taught me a bit on the side, and I eventually, he did not hire me uh, right away. He made me kind of. Oh, interesting! No, I, wow. I worked two years in other places before he would hire me on. So I worked a, a couple different jobs before, but eventually brought me on when the, the company kind of got bigger to a point where it could bring on more than one, more than one person. Right. So. Sure. So I've been to Jacksonville just a few times. Actually, the only times I've been to Jacksonville was when What's we that? did. Um, oh, there is. On the beach. Oh, there's a class in here soon. All right. Oh. So let's get going. I thought this was a speaker room. I thought this was a speaker room, too. So, that's... It's done. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I guess we need to... We need to evacuate. <laughs>